The sermon lesson this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 28, and I will read verses 16 through 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now this is normally referred to as the Great Commission. In other words, this isn't optional. This is an obligation on our part if we claim faith in Christ. So Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Listen, that by faith you may hear God's word for you today. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. This is right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now isn't that amazing? These are the disciples that have hung out with Jesus from the beginning. They've seen the miracles. They were there at the crucifixion. They were there at the resurrection. And some of them doubted. Just like us. Some of them doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, God always blesses the reading and the hearing of the word. Amen. There are 1,400 Cold Stone Creamery stores in the United States, Canada, and 10 other countries. Cold Stone Cream. There is no better place to go. <laughs> and I can tell you this, that you people love ice cream. I can tell that not by looking at you. But I can tell you love ice cream because there are 68 Cold Stone Creamery stores in this city. Now, Cold Stone Creameries sell more ice cream than Haagen-Dazs and Ben and & Jerry combined. Amazing. And Cold Stone Creameries have a gimmick. And their gimmick is this. They don't just call the folks that serve behind the counter servers, they call them scoopers. They are scoopers. And you see, they don't just interview them for jobs behind the counter, they audition them. That's right. They expect those kids, when they serve you ice cream, to bring you some happiness. And one of the ways they do it is not just by the ice cream. They plunk, dunk, stuff that ice cream on that marble that's 16 degrees Fahrenheit. But they sing or they dance or they juggle or jiggle or they do something to entertain you. And they are under orders to do just that. Under orders. A week ago today, Colin Powell was on Meet the Press. He said some things that upset lots of people. But Colin Powell is a very well-known figure. He was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was Secretary of State. He's a man that many people have appealed to to run for public office. He has said no and consistently said no. He always says, I'm just an old soldier living under orders. The Cold Stone Creamery has their kids live under orders. 
Colin Powell lives under orders. And if you are a Christian, then the Great Commission puts you under orders. I am under orders. You are under orders. Because the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's great news. The good news is that in Jesus Christ there is hope for every one of us, no matter our situation, no matter how badly we've messed up. There is indeed hope. But then at the end of the Great Commission, he says this, I am with you always. I am with you always. Do you know why he said that? Because wherever Christianity has gone, it clashes with the culture. Christianity always clashes with the culture. It's righteousness versus unrighteousness. It's good versus evil. And there is evil in this world. Oh, you say, Dave, you don't really believe all that stuff. Yes, yes, I really do. There is evil in this world. If you say there is no evil in the wor this world, I would say then you have never talked to an adult that was sexually abused as a child. 1.2 million children were trafficked across the world for sexual reasons last year. And that's probably a very conservative number. We know that something in the range of 300,000 children were trafficked last year in this country for sexual reasons. Evil does persist. In Ephesians it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There is power that we know nothing about. It's mysterious stuff. And so Jesus says, I don't care what you face. You need to understand something. I am with you always. There is indeed hope for you. Good news must be shared. Good news must be shared. I, I've raised lots of money for a variety of causes all over the world. And, of course, people see me coming a mile away. And uh, they put up their uh, defenses. And they often say to me, Dave, you have to remember, charity begins at home. Have you ever heard that? Charity begins at home? They're telling the truth. Charity does begin at home. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. So we have an obligation to share the good news of the gospel. And it must be shared. It's like having a cure for some form of cancer and refusing to share it. And if you refuse to share it, you are the poorer for it. But so is the rest of the world. Good news needs to be shared. And the good news of the gospel in Christ needs to be shared. Hoarding leads to moral deterioration. I don't care if you're hoarding scientific information or medical information or financial information, whatever it is. Hoarding leads to moral deterioration. And so the obligation we have as Christians is to share the good news that in Jesus Christ there is hope and hope for all of us. Our lives begin to end the day we go silent on things that matter. You know who said that? Martin Luther King Jr. Our lives begin to end the day we go silent on things that matter. You cannot build a different world with indifferent people. You cannot build a different world with indifferent 
people. And that's why the Great Commission is so important to us. We dare not live apathetically with these riches. The cross of Jesus Christ is the ultimate symbol of liberation. It's freedom from alienation, estrangement, guilt, shame, and sin. And when I read the Great Commission, there's a very simple bottom line. It simply says to me, you either are a missionary or you need a missionary. How about that? You either are a missionary or you need a missionary. Good news needs to be shared. This mother scored a couple of tickets in the field boxes at Yankee Stadium during the baseball season. And she was all excited to get a hold of these tickets, but not nearly as excited as her nine-year-old son who played Little League. And he took his mitt to the ball game because he just knew he was going to get a foul ball. And the field boxes, as you know, are right along the first baseline or along the third baseline. Great spot to sit, and you're up close to all the players. So this kid was ecstatic. And he went to the ball game and he kept punching his glove thinking, I am going to get a pop-up, I'm going to get a pop-up. Sure enough, third inning, a pop-up comes to him and he stands up, he says, it's mine, it's mine, I've got it, I've got it. He's got his glove ready to go and just as the ball was about to hit his mitt, a bespectacled, bald-headed guy, two rows back, reached out and speared the ball just as it came down. Well, this poor little guy just collapsed on his mother's shoulder and started to cry. But of course the bespectacled, bald-headed guy was playing to the crowd. He turns to the cameras and he's cheering and making a big show of it. Somebody over here started to yell, Hey! Give the kid the ball! Only in Yankee Stadium, right? <laughs> hey! Give the kid the ball! Somebody else said, Yeah! Give the kid the ball! And they started to chant, Give the kid the ball! Give the kid the ball. Finally, the bespectacled, bald-headed guy was so embarrassed, he got up out of his seat, went down the couple of rows, and gave the kid the ball. He bowed and played again to the crowd, and they cheered and clapped for him. And the kid, of course, was ecstatic. He got the ball. Two innings later, there was another pop-up in that same section. It went to somebody much further back. This guy caught it. And he got, got up out of his seat and he went down to the bald-headed, bespectacled guy and gave him the ball. And the crowd cheered for this guy. You know what happened? Benevolence broke out in Yankee Stadium. Unbelieving sharing took place. Hey friends, good news must be shared. That's the first thing we learn out of the Great Commission. The second thing we learn out of the Great Commission is this. Good news has a global concern. Good news has a global concern. We are used to multinationals. Calvin Klein has over 200 stores in China. Imagine, 200 plus stores in China. And the popular philosophy of the day is really relativism. Everything's relative. Oh, Dave, don't get all upset about absolutes. There are no absolutes. Everything's relative. You leave those people in Darfur alone. Let them, they want to kill each other, just leave them alone. Everything's relative. And do you know what the catchword is for relativism? Whatever. You ever hear that? Oh, whatever. 
You want to get me ticked off? Whatever. That shouldn't even be part of a Christian's vocabulary. We're not into apathy. We're into vitality. We're into the hope that comes through the cross of Calvary. In Jesus Christ, there is hope for everyone and every situation. This church has 17 mission partners in L.A. 17 mission partners. One of these mission partners, not too long ago, came alongside a homeless woman. This homeless woman knew something about drug addiction, violence. She knew what it was to be unemployed. She knew what it was to lose her children. She had three children. And one of our mission partners enabled her to go through a detox program and then introduced her to the love of God in Jesus Christ. It began to change this homeless woman's life. She got her children back. And eight people in this congregation came alongside that woman. And today, she is on a positive path. All three of her kids have graduated from high school, the first in the family to do so. And two of them today are in university. Why? Because they realized that the faith they shared in Jesus Christ needed to be shared. And it had an implication long beyond the walls of this great congregation. Friends, Christianity not only saves us from sin, but also from cynicism. Christianity not only saves us from sin, but also from cynicism. Dr. Norval Christie has for many years gone to Pakistan to do eye surgery. He's an ophthalmologist. He happens to be a Christian, and he also happens to be a Presbyterian. No better combination. And Dr. Norval Christie each year would go to Pakistan. Now you understand that there's no evangelism allowed in Pakistan. Unheard of. And so he had to be very discreet about sharing his faith and certainly practicing his faith. But he would go there and he went to a particular area where eye disease was very, very common because of the smog and the dust and the deficiency in terms of vitamin A. And so Christie would do upwards of 200 operations a day, many of them cataract surgeries because that was the most common. And do you know what they said as they made their way to his clinic? Is the Christians make you see again. The Christians make you see again. You don't bring about a different world with indifferent people. How many people are on this planet? Six billion plus? 1.6 billion people do not have clean drinking water. 2.6 billion people on this planet do not have adequate sanitation facilities, and I cleaned that up. And 5 million people last year died because of water-related diseases. 5 million people. We have a job to do. There is a global aspect to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the great news is there is no coercion in the cross of Christ. It's all liberation. Our grandson Ian was four years old when his parents brought home from the hospital a new baby brother for him. He wasn't sure about this intrusion on his freedom. And so here this 
new little brother is there and this is the first night at home. So Ian goes to his bed in his bedroom, sleeps through the night and he knows in the morning he can't get up before seven. So he has to wait till the digital clock comes up seven zero zero before he can leave his room. So it comes up seven zero zero, and he leaves his room and he walks down the hall to his parents' bedroom and the door is open to the parents' bedroom and he looks in the parents' bedroom and there is his mother on one side of the bed and the father on the other side of the bed and in between, propped up on a pillow, is this new baby brother. And so Ian stands at the doorway, puts his hands on his hips and he says, Is this what we ordered? And his mother said, yes, this is exactly what we ordered. Listen, the good news that we have to share, that's what God has ordered us to do. It's to be shared. It's to have a global concern. And third, it is dynamic. The good news of the gospel is dynamic. And one of the words for power in the Greek is dunamis, the root word for dynamite. The power of the gospel Christ of Christ is powerful. And it's powerful because it changes people. Events are altered. Lives are changed. Relationships are healed. And love proves stronger than hate. Last Friday morning in the Today Show, Matt Lauer turns to one of the guests and says, Is resurrection possible for Lance Armstrong? Good question. Is resurrection possible for Lance Armstrong? Now you know what Matt Lauer meant, and I know what Matt Lauer meant. He meant refurbishing his image, getting his ego back, getting better exposure, doing PR better, etc., etc. But the resurrection that I know about is totally life-changing. It's committing your life to the risen Christ. It's trust without reservation. And that's what the gospel of Christ can do for all of us. The good news is indeed dynamic. Events are altered, lives are changed, relationships are healed, and love proves stronger than hate. The body of Christ all over the world makes up for what you lack or I lack. If you're exposed to the Christians in Korea, you suddenly realize they have a passion for evangelism that puts us to shame. If you're exposed to the Christians in Africa, they bring joy to the surface that we know very little about. And if you're exposed to the Christians in Latin America, you know that they represent hope and they practice it day after day. They make up for what we are lacking in the body of Christ. God wants not a performance out of you and me. God wants a relationship. And that's why he said, I am with you always. It's a relationship. I want to be with you always. You are never alone and you are never left on your own. Carl Sandburg was one of the great literary lights for this country. Carl Sandburg's story is fascinating because at the age of about 13 he was asked to leave home. Not because he was a bad kid, they just simply economically couldn't afford to keep him any longer. And so it was at 13 or so that he was asked to step out on his own and make his own way, support himself. 
And he did. He did as a laborer, as a harvester. He worked in kitchens. He did uh, construction jobs. He did everything he could to sustain himself. The great thing about Carl Sandburg is that he was self-educated. And Carl Sandburg became one of the greatest writers in American literature. For 32 years, he worked on the biography of Lincoln. It got him a Pulitzer Prize, well-deserved. Towards the end of his life, he was being interviewed on television. Now, you have to picture Carl Sandburg. A leathered face, always looked tan, and he had a shock of white hair that just kind of hung down across his forehead. No hairspray for him. And Carl Sandburg was sitting there in the television studio with this journalist being interviewed. Nothing fancy, no big set, just the two of them. And at one point, the journalist turned to him and he said, Mr. Sandberg, what would you say is the ugliest word in the English language? Wow, what a question. What would you say is the ugliest word in the English language? And old Sandberg, you know, he just kind of sat there and he looked up into the lights and he didn't say anything. Now, television doesn't like it when you don't say anything. So it became an awkward pause. So the journalist repeated the question, Mr. Sandberg, what would you say is the ugliest word in the English language? And Sandberg responded, the ugliest word in the English language is... Then he stopped and paused again, a pregnant pause. He did it a second time, he did it a third time. The ugliest word in the English language is... Then he said, the ugliest word in the English language is exclusive. Exclusive. And you know, when he said that, a bomb went off in my head. I thought, that is truth. Exclusive. And if, if exclusive is the ugliest word in the English language, then the most beautiful word in the English language is inclusive. And isn't that what the cross of Christ is all about? The Savior's arms were spread wide enough to include you and me and everybody we know. The inclusivity of the cross of Christ. We have a story to tell. Let's tell it. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we don't understand why you've entrusted so much to us. But thank you for the story of Calvary. Thank you for the resurrection. And help us, O oh God, to go from this place with a passion to share the good news. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.